Welcome in everyone to The Haven Podcast. You could be listening to anything else in the world right now, but you are listening to me and I appreciate that. I hope everyone's doing swell. Hope everyone had a beautiful, amazing um, work week, an even better weekend, and you have even a better work week on tap than last week. And I hope to sit you off right in that direction. So with that said, welcome in yet again to this week's um, TV and movie-focused episode of The Haven Podcast. Um, Lots of good stuff to get to, but real quick, I kind of want to go over that and share my enthusiasm, my excitement, my overall nerdum with all of you as usual, and that is, it is official. I have my tickets booked, ready to go for opening night to Avengers Endgame. Holy crap. So these things, as I talked about you guys, or talked with you guys last on last Monday's episode, that um this past Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific time, tickets went on sale for Avengers Endgame. So I wake up, I have my alarm set at 5.50 a.m. I cannot sleep the night before. I am jazzed. I am excited, ready to go. Um, but I was able to jump on and all that jazz um, and get the ticket. So I usually go to a Cinemark theater that's close by to me. They have the very beautiful, um, what's it called? Um, re- reserve seats that you get to pick online, which is great. You have the amazing seating and all that. So going in, I had to make a decision because I had to buy four tickets total. I got two of my brothers, myself and the missus coming along on opening day. It's going to be amazing or opening night. Um, so I wanted to see this thing in IMAX because they actually shot this entire movie from beginning to end with IMAX camera. And I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, so apologies if I'm repeating myself as I usually do. But it's when they they did the same exact thing with Infinity War. So when I saw Infinity War opening night in regular, you know, digital, whatever, whatever the camera shit's called, they use the tech. Um, amazing movie blown away. I went literally that Monday and saw it in IMAX at another theater that, you know, has it. And this is what happens when you live in what I've dubbed the armpit of Washington state, where regardless if it's the capital of a state, it's like, Hey, we got two fucking theaters and, uh, yeah, have fun with that. So I got to go drive 20 to 30 minutes if traffic cooperates to go to, another decent theater and just kind of is a pain in the ass. So I actually thought about it for this, but so this second theater that actually is the only one in town that has IMAX, the IMAX camera, those assholes have reserved seating, but they are so fucking good on that's regal. Those bitches. I know they got money and shit. So what do these assholes do? Their competition in Cinemark redoes their entire theaters, the big loungy comfy seats, you know, so they probably lose a couple seats there overall in the theater from like ticket sales. Right. So Regal's like, well, we want our cake and eat it too. We're just going to put fucking stickers with it that have numbers on them. And that's going to be our um, reservation seating. And it's like the fucking old ones, you know? And like, this is a thing. And people wonder why these big tentpole movies are the vast reason why most people go to the theater. Because people still do that. But overall, why the idea of a theater is pretty much dying. These assholes do not adapt, you know? And that's that old saying, adapt or die. They do not do that. So people like Regal are sitting there in their old fucking ways, you know, trying to cram me in like a sardine with uncomfortable seats. Like, you want me to sit through a three-hour epic movie and that I'm anticipating and while I'm watching this of movie unfold with all of its probably, you know, titillating, nerdgastic um, 
sequences, I'm more worried about my butt crack being sore and fucking some asshole putting an elbow in my rib because like you and your tiny seats, like fuck you. Go ahead and put some money in your shit. God forbid you lose a couple ticket sales because you're freaking making them up anyways with concession stand prices as well as um, you're up in the price on tickets in general. I, you know, especially with this crap. So we were going to, I was going to bite the bullet and go do that. Right. It sucked, but I want to see an IMAX because that IMAX experience in Infinity War when I did see it was absolutely insane. It was like watching a different movie. I, I'm, I promise you that it's completely worth the extra money and experience. So I was willing to do that. So this is the biggest fucking movie, right? Opening the, not only this year, but for what? The last couple of years. Like this is up there with that Star Wars, a Star Wars movie coming out kind of thing or was. So I go and check the ticket sales because before this all went down, the times leaked for both theaters. Okay, cool. So they have literally only one showing in fucking IMAX at Regal and it's for 10 p.m. on Thursday night. This movie's fucking three hours long, people. Like, I know, regardless of how excited I am, I'm going to start fucking dozing off because I'm an old man, like, halfway through the movie, and I'm going to miss shit. Oh, my God. To spend that kind of money on IMAX tickets and start dozing off and miss stuff, I would be so pissed. And before anyone starts yelling, well, it's not a good movie if you're falling asleep, Danny. I understand that. But again, I'm old. I'm going to be jacked up the night before. So I know I'm not going to get any sleep and I'm going to be crashing and just like snoring in the theater with my luck. So they had that shit. But, oh, you want to see Endgame and IMAX? We got you covered at Regal. We have a shit ton of showings in 3D. Like, what the fuck? This 3D thing still in like, I didn't even know 3D was still in until I saw like how many showings they had. I thought it was like reserved just for like children's movies now. And everything. I didn't know they were doing this shit for like Endgame, and I was just, uh, I was blown away. So we had to go to the Cinemark thing. That's fine. And at least I didn't see this at Regal, so this is kind of what I saw that helped my decision to stick with Cinemark. And I use their app. I'm part of the Cinemark membership bullcrap that they do over there, um, and everything. And it's, it's like two steps away from my house. It's it's great. So I check it out, and of course they don't have IMAX over there. It's my biggest pet peeve with this theater so as i'm going through i'm jumping on the cinemark app it is like 6 a.m i'm ready to go that fucking app i'm telling you right now was not prepared for this traffic whatsoever and i don't know how it works from a science computer standpoint (laughs) in terms of like you know who talks to who on the servers because you got like fandango taking tickets as well and i don't know fandango's like we'll give you a check to these studios so we can get first dibs or any of that shit. i don't know like there's probably some shadiness going on but and i'm not totally familiar with it and i could just be a conspiracy theorist and just throwing that out there because it fits my narrative like most people do that is a, a a good possibility let's be honest here so long story short I'm sitting there at 6 o'clock or 6 a.m. I jump on Cinemark. The app is just not cooperating with me. I got to the selection screen of the seats and I see it and I'm like, okay, great. I would select it, hit enter, and then it would just like stall out. And I'm like, oh shit. And then an error message would pop up saying, hey, you've selected, you haven't selected enough seats that you selected before kind of thing. And I'm like, no, it's just four out of four. What the fuck? So something was going on. It wasn't clearing or communicating clearly. So I am like killing the app, restarting it, waiting, blah, 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 all this stuff. There's no cue screen, nothing like you're next up, any of that bullshit. So I'm going through that. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm battling it and I'm looking at the clock. I am literally an hour and a half to two hours in 
of just literally all I've been doing for the first two hours of being awake this day is sipping on coffee and trying to fucking just keep eyes peeled and hope I don't breathe on the screen and fuck something up. And nothing worked. And I was like, you have got to be shitting me. And I'm like, all right, that's it. I give up. This is bullshit and what have you. I'll try again later. So I'm getting ready to go run some errands early in the morning. And I said, you know what? Before I leave, let me try Fandango out of shits and giggles. Jump on Fandango. Boom. 30 seconds tops. I got the tickets. No problem. In addition, and I also pet peeve of mine. And I probably should have researched this before. So this is on me. I was able to get us tickets to the 5 p.m. fan night showing. And you're like, wow, you sound pretentious. I do, but stick with me. So this fan night thing, I was like, a little bit extra money. It's okay. It's fucking endgame, right? And we're going to see it at 5 o'clock, and the movie's three hours. So I'm going to have... Because I know as soon as I see this movie and I'm done, my hype level and expectations going in, I'm not going to be able to come home and sleep afterwards for a couple of hours. I'm going to be so jazzed and jacked up that I'm just going to lift a fucking car in the parking lot and just yell, I am Iron Man! And like throw that shit at a child or something. I don't know why to be a child, but it happens. So I'm happy about that. So I did the fan event because I was like, oh, I remember when they did this for Star Wars, they gave out a bunch of like swag bag shit, like a bunch of little like nerdy goodies. And I'm like, yes, I'd like some of those goodies. Well, I did some research and what are they doing for Avengers Endgame fan night? And I don't know if this is part of Disney and Marvel thing or if it's like a Cinemark thing. They're giving me a fucking free collector's coin. What? Biggest movie. And that's when I'm getting a fucking collector's coin. It looks cool, but what am I going to do? Just carry it in my pocket and be like, here's my uh, uh, endgame collector's coin that I purchased. Like, taking advantage of my fucking fandom. Do not appreciate that Disney and or Marvel and or Cinemark or whomever is responsible. I want a fucking swag. I want Captain America's shield when I go in that shit for the money that I'm spending. But it's all good. I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I was very, very excited to get these tickets and... To see it right then and there, my calendar is marked, and now comes the wait, which is the worst part of any of these movies. Anytime I've come across a film that I'm so jacked for, um, same thing with Infinity War, it was this exact process last year, where I was like, this this is bullshit, I, I want to fucking see this right now. So, But I am excited, I'm very glad, so those tickets are on sale, I hope all of you that are interested were able to secure said tickets, even if it's on opening night, it's at some point that week because you know fucking spoilers are coming down the pike like there's going to be just some a-holes on social media or on websites for clicks you know and that was the other thing too so fucking disney had a couple of their shareholders see a, a scene or two from endgame and then that yahoo ended up fucking tweeting about it without a spoiler warning on his fucking twitter and i'm like god son of a and then um some media got a chance to see some scenes as well and i think it was different ones and they started kind of doing it too like you won't believe what we saw from endgame dot dot um so and so dot or like some bullshit like that i didn't say that but it's enough to like i just don't want to know anything they've shown me what they wanted to show me via trailers you want to manipulate me in that way and have false expectations or ideas going in, fine, I don't care. As long as it's a great movie, I know you got a lot of hype behind this and a lot of pressure, but I don't want any fucking spoilers. I've been doing this for uh, Star Wars Episode Nine too. I have no idea what's going on with any of this stuff because I think what we're going to do on the podcast is the week going into the release of Endgame, I'm going to have my predictions of how I think this all goes down, not just the major beats of the movie, but how this translates to Phase four of the mcu because that's what the fuck it's all about 
and oh my god this is gonna be so amazing so anywho that's going on love it and all that jazz so avengers endgame tickets on sale go check them out no i'm not getting paid for marvel by marvel i know i sound like a complete fanboy and a marketing banner and i don't give a shit to be honest with you because i just fuck it's so good i mean it, it's like it can't be worse than captain marvel there's no way i mean if it's as bad as captain marvel or even more worse i will uh, you'll hear about it trust me but i all the faith in the all all i have all the faith in the russo brothers let's put it that way so um got that going on what else is oh here's a here's a little fun tip we'll we'll, we'll switch subjects here a tad bit we'll pivot as they call it pivot um well friends joke for you guys the this past weekend was CinemaCon. yeah okay i don't know how long this thing's been around it's it happened in vegas you know sounds cool it's like just an excuse for everyone to get together and watch movie shit and previews um but I, yeah i'm just saying that this thing never heard of it before until this past weekend so it didn't sound like it was a brand new thing they started doing this year but my biggest thing about this is and this not only goes for cinema con but any con in general um even members of the con family but my point being i love when we have these conventions right and i'm guilty of it too i'll be the first to admit it but i absolutely love how all these a fucks <laughs> go to these cons and they get fucking lathered up and red lobster fake butter they get fucking fed all this bullshit they get you know all these private seatings in these like premier private rooms and if it sounds like i'm jealous and or bitter you're damn right i am but my larger point still stands of i love that all these a-holes that write that do their write-ups like, hey, this is Robert from KeepItCool.com. All right. We just saw an exclusive scene from the upcoming Disney's Aladdin movie. You won't believe what we saw. And so you click on it because you're an asshole. And then fucking the guy's like, oh, it was a musical number from Will Smith is the genie. And it was like from the movie. And it looked terrific. Pretty much everything they showed at CinemaCon this year. And again, this goes for overall conventions. Every movie, it was like they showed Toy Story 4, they showed Aladdin, um, they showed Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, what else did they... There's a tons of fucking movies they showed just a bunch of scenes from that are coming out. And every fucking scene that people saw was like, oh man, this looks terrific. This looks great. This is going to be the next big movie of the year. I mean, if we're going based off of this, every movie that comes out this year is going to be the greatest movie since Slice Bread. Which we know is not true and that's how it works. Like... It's one scene. You can just say it like, oh, I thought it was cool what we saw. But when you start like literally like dropping your pants, you know, you drop trowel and you just start screaming at your genitals and oh, that was great. Like, no, calm down. Like Skid Row, bring it down a notch. Like, what are we doing here? So funny, though, the only preview of anything that I saw from any of these movies at CinemaCon that was negative, like across the board negative, And people were just like, no, I'd rather be put in a dungeon and have my, you know, my face electrocuted while, I don't know, a fucking homeless guy sits in the corner and just stares at me was Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, <laughs> the live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie could not catch a break, even with all these, you know cock riding people could not catch a break that's how bad that movie has looks to a lot of people so um 
Yeah, I can't wait to see that. I'm probably going to love that movie. It's fucking great. So I think they even had Detective Pikachu there. <sighs> Saw that trailer. Oh, man, that's getting me. That's getting me excited in a lot of different ways and a lot of different places, people. Holy shit, that looks adorable and fucking awesome. So, but anyways, we're not going to talk about Pokemon. That's coming down the pike. So, um, with that said, CinemaCon and cons in general, just a joke and ugh, it's horrible. So, let's go on to some industry notes slash uh, industry news and thoughts and feels and all that, that typical shit that you come here for. So, let's start off with Suicide Squad 2. So, this is a movie that if it was not directed or written to be confirmed by James Gunn, I would just be shitting on it. I will not lie. But because it is James Gunn, who is an amazing director and writer, maybe pedophile, we are still deciding as a community. Um, we got some news in a day. So, Viola Davis is confirmed to come back as Amanda Waller. She was like the Oprah Winfrey character in the first one that kind of runs everything and pulls the strings. She's fine, I guess. Like, I trust me, Viola Davis's acting and character were not the issues of that movie, the first one. But then we had the one rumor that I reported a little bit back that Idris Alba was in the running to replace Will Smith as Deadshot, and I was like, "Cool, it's Idris Alba. He's the fucking goods. So like, bring him in, please." So with this latest report coming out, I believe it is out of Variety, it looks like they kind of have gone ahead and pivot, pivot a little bit. And it looks like Idris Alba will not be Deadshot, but he'll be a, a different character. He's going to be in the movie, but he's going to be a completely different character we haven't seen so far in this universe. No idea or speculation of who that character is. But the reasoning behind it was kind of interesting. From what I read from this report, it was uh, the studio was like, well, we don't want to burn any bridges with Will Smith. Like, we really wouldn't be mad if Will Smith wanted to come back and play Deadshot in Suicide Squad, whatever, down the road, or any of DC movies. And I'm just like, Really? That's the reason why Will Smith is, like, still gets carte blanche in this fucking industry. Like, ugh. Uh, YouTube money must be good, Big Willie. Must be good. When's your next rap album coming out? Can we get uh, Parents Don't Understand the remix, please? I would love that. So that's kind of your Suicide Squad news. But the main thing I want to talk about uh, before we close out today's episode, and some of you are like, what, Danny? Like, you're like, you know, not even 20 minutes in. Dude, you're wrapping it up already? Don't you worry. I got you guys covered with... A whole lot more content, and I'll explain here in a second. But we did get our official first look at um, the trailer for Joker starring Walking Phoenix. So this was a, uh, when it came up, I have said on a couple different episodes of the podcast that I was like, this could be cool, this could be interesting, but it still bothers me. It's not connected to a larger universe like Marvel's been doing. I still stand by that. And I've always, and in addition, I did say, if I recall correctly, like, I don't know about this. Like, who wants to see a Joker movie without Batman in it? Like, is that really something what people want? I mean, you got a good actor to come and do it. And I think really to get the best out of that performance of that character in a Walking Phoenix is a great choice. And it seems everyone's on board, too, that's writing and, and working on it. So we officially got the Joker trailer. Uh, my first reactions is when I watched it, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm going to be honest with you. I went back and rewatched it again, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just a different scene. I was in a different mindset. And I usually try to do that with trailers. Even if I like something a lot the first time, I'll go back and watch it a little bit to see if it still sticks with me. Um, this totally did a complete 180 for me. Um, the second viewing and third viewing of this trailer, I was, I was honestly intoxicated with what I was watching. I was, it was just, it was fucking, like, it's easy to say, oh, it was dark and stuff, and it is, and it's creepy, but 
holy shit, like his transformation and just seeing his character from the beginning to the end of the trailer. And I hope this is the general idea they use in the movie of seeing, you know, the Joker, um, I think they're calling him Arthur, go from just like this kind of dude that's like, he's, you know, not totally normal already, but see this like basically submerging into fucking one of the greatest villains ever made in history is something I'm very much looking forward to that we haven't really gotten too much and to have a focus on him that could be interesting because I think he is an interesting character so I think if you can get a raw get away with anything in a solo movie sense a Joker movie looks like it can be done I think you can do that with a lot of movies but you just got to get a lot of things right I think they're on the right track it certainly looks like it and the one thing too that just stuck with me on the second and third viewing in this trailer when you see him go full-on Joker and he's in what their version of what the Joker makeup looks like and everything after he dyes his hair. There's just like this wonderful shot, well, I guess in the middle, where you see Joaquin Phoenix's character walking from left to right and his head's like peeking, you know, like a little bit above like this rock wall. And it they transition to him putting his hands in this gate and then forcing this little boy to like smile. And then I read somewhere, it's like, oh, the little boy's Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, this is kind of like, where's this going? And then at the end, when you see that transformation, he does something at the end with the way he kind of moves and the way his body is and his body movements when he's in full on Joker mode. He's kind of doing like this lock and pop kind of move. I don't know how else to explain it. It gave me these chilling vibes of how the Joker acted and moved in Batman the Animated Series. And for those that don't know what it is my God, I'm sorry that you've missed out on the animated series. You should stop listening and go binge watch that entire thing from beginning to end right now. Because if you are a superhero fan, let alone a Batman fan, it's always been my, like, if someone said to me, like, who's your perfect Batman or what's Batman to you? I would hold that up on a pedestal and be like, oh, this is it. If you want to do movies like Batman, the animated universe or animated series, this is the blueprint you follow because it's fucking perfect to me. Like this is everything from every villain to Batman himself, his relationships, his arcs, everything is absolutely brilliant. His movements reminded me of the Joker from that. And that, so that was a little bit of a, what's the word? Like kind of a nostalgia heartstring pull for me because I'm such a huge fan of that show. So yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't already. It's, it's fucking, I'm curious if they do a second one. They should. And I want to know because this thing comes out, I think, late this year, the Joker movie. So, anywho, it uh, looks good. Very, uh, I'm optimistic about this. I mean, just the movement. Like, fuck, he looked fucking terrifying, man. It's great. So, anywho. All right, guys. That is going to do it for our typical intro-ish stuff we kind of do. But don't, don't, don't fret. Again, I know it's only about 25 minutes. I got you covered because on this week's TV and movie focus episode coming up right after I finish this really poor outro slash propers. Um, we got not one, not two, not three, but four reviews from me to you. Two from TV, boom, two from movies. What are these reviews, Danny? Why are you sound so excited? Because I am excited. The first one we got on the docket is my review for Amazon's Hannah. My second one is going to be a YouTube original called The Boy Band Con, The Lou Pearlman Story. Sounds like a Lifetime movie, but you should probably listen to that. It's pretty fucking... 
that thing is incredible. And then um, third on the docket, we have my official review for Shazam, followed by last but not least, um, my review for Pet Cemetery. So I've been busy binging, watching a lot of shows, watching a lot of movies, and everything like that. So sorry if it's some of it is repeatable. In the latter part, I actually recorded the reviews. Uh, throughout the entire day yesterday and everything like that reason being I feel like when I do have too many reviews that I want to give you guys I may either a run out of time via the anchor app or more importantly I start getting lightheaded because I don't breathe and I might pass out and I get thirsty and then you may not get a proper review and I cut it short I don't get all my ideas and thoughts across so it's something different I want to try so you just let me know how you you know how you like it I would appreciate that feedback as always so with that said Thank you all so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode as I as much as I did making it for you. If you like what you've heard or even if you're, you know, about it. Um, lots of ways you can support the podcast and help it grow, such as sharing it with friends and family, as well as commenting, subscribing, liking, all that prostitution shit that I got to give you um, on your podcast listening platform of choice. Feel free to send your listener questions in. It can be about any single topic you want that we cover on the podcast or maybe just life tips. I got some, I got a couple ideas about life I could give you. Whether it's a good idea, I, that I don't know. I'll let you be the judge of that. But you can send those question, questions as well as anything you want. Well, not anything you want, but you get my point. Uh, to thehavenpc at gmail.com. Also look at us up on the Mixer as well as Instagram. And I will have links in the description of this episode for all that and then some. So, yes, thank you so much, you guys. Hope you have a wonderful work week. And stay tuned because we got four reviews coming in a row for all the things I just mentioned. They're right after this. I was able to kind of transition and edit and everything like that. So I know the rhythm's a little bit out of whack, but I think you'll kind of get a kick out of it. So thank you yet again, you guys. Um, Take care, and I will talk to you guys this upcoming Friday. Hey, you guys, welcome back in. Thank you so much for sticking around for one of four. That's right, I'm very excited. We got a lot of reviews slash recommendations for me to give you on this week's uh, TV and film focus episode. So if some of this continuity sounds out of whack, I'm going to be fully honest and transparent with you. Um, Usually when I have these episodes that are very review heavy or maybe there's just one review and I really kind of want to get into them, I'm looking at the timer for Anchor. And they always get a little bit weird with that stuff where if I get close to an hour, it just, I don't know, they're like, hey, it's not going to record, so record a different session. So that's kind of what I'm doing here. So, and then also mention too, I talk myself in, talk myself in circles so many times that I just run out of breath and I'm just tired and I need a nap and I'm trying to get these reviews through. So I feel like sometimes I'm just kind of pushing through them and that's not fair to you guys, you know what I mean? And not fair to me. I spend the time and effort and energy to really... Uh, bring a thoughtful review, or at least I try to, to you guys, so you're not wasting your time and or money with my recommendations and what have you, but, um, so I thought we just do, we do something a little bit different, we'll see how it goes, you let me know how you like it, so on this week's episode, and I'm going to mention it, I assume, in the intro section that you guys will get after we go over some of the other bits and news that we've had, um, first on tap, the show I want to talk about is Hannah. So Hannah is playing exclusively on Amazon Prime, so for those that are Prime members, you can watch it via the Amazon Prime app on any of your selected smart devices. So this show, honestly, was not on my radar whatsoever. Uh, The wife and I just kind of started watching it for the sake of watching something, and I found myself oddly hooked to it, so I did stick through it. And that's the thing, too. um, I watch a lot of crap. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> from movies to TV, and obviously there's the big heavy hitters, and there's personal stuff that I like and I look forward to, and usually that's how I try to 
I try to do that when it comes to anything I recommend or review on the show, meaning it's, I, I try not to recommend or review something just for the sake of doing it for the most part. There's always some level to me that I want to see this and I want to know what it's like, good or bad, you know? And then there's shows like this that I come across every once in a while where I'm like, eh, I'm okay or I can do without it. I don't really need to see it. But then I will experience, I'm like, okay, there's something here that I think a lot of people would enjoy. So I really deep dive in on it. I just, like I said, try to talk about topics on the show that, you know, I personally kind of dig and everything like that. Cause I think some other people do as well. So Hannah kind of falls in this category for me. So what is Hannah for those that don't know? Uh, Hannah is a show um, written and created by, I believe it was David Farr. He did a Hannah movie like forever ago. And I can't remember the gal who played as Hannah, but Eric Bana, remember him? Oh God, he was the shit dude. He uh, plays the dad and everything like that in the, sh in this movie that came out. And I remember it actually being kind of decent or actually good, but I couldn't remember details of it. So basically what he's done is he's pretty much redone the movie, but in an eight episode arc on television. So each episode is about an hour long or so. Hannah in its essence is basically if Jason Bourne was a 15 year old girl, that's pretty much Hannah, right? Like let, let's, when you see it, or if you're familiar with Jason Bourne, you're like, oh, okay, that's it. It's a very spy thriller. She has certain abilities of heightened performance, um, and her ability to just fuck up grown men. And that's like most of the show is Hannah just beating the shit out of grown people in a plethora of ways very easily and looking kind of badass for the most part when they do it. So, um, is this show worth your time and energy, etc.? Um, I personally think it is. I was, again, I was going in with no expectations and I slowly walked away like, okay, this isn't bad at all. This is actually pretty good. Like they did a really good job with this and I could see why he wanted to kind of go back and retell the story of her, but in a more, uh, with more avenues to tell her story and what have you. So um, her father is played by Joel Kinnaman. For those that don't know Joel, he was in, uh, God, uh, he was, what's his face? Uh, Rick, God, he's not Rick Flair, Rick Flagg in the Suicide Squad movie. I know not a good recommendation. And then he was also RoboCop in the latest RoboCop reboot that he did with Samuel Jackson back in the day. But for the most part, he was in um, Oxen Carbon, Oxen, Oxen Carbon? That one um, kind of like poor man's Blade Runner on Netflix. So him as an actor, I actually really enjoy him. I think he's awesome. Um, he's this giant, beautiful Swedish man. And one of the first shows he was on that I think made him popular, that is one of my favorite shows of all time, is The Killing. It was on AMC the first two seasons, and Netflix picked it up for the third and final season. So he plays Hannah's dad in this. Hannah's uh, played by um, Esme Creed Miles. I, I don't know. So he is reunited with Morella, Morella Enos, I think that's her name, and she played his um, co-star on The Killing. So there's this little bit of this personal need or need nerd feeling that I had seeing these two back on screen together, interacting with each other, because I always thought they had a great chemistry on screen together. And I very, very much enjoyed both of them on The Killing, which is just a fantastic show from what I always remember and very fond memories of it. Just to see him back on this new project together was really cool. So with Hannah, it's how can I get into it? I'm trying to think of where to start. Overall, the cinematography, the way they shoot certain things, the music, the acting is, is very well done. There's nothing about it that I remember 
or that I felt as watching like, oh my God, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. Everyone needs to watch that. Not necessarily, but I feel like it's one of those things where if you watch it, you're not going to be angry. You're not going to maybe leave like, oh my God, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Nothing like that, but it's still a really good show. And I think they're just kind of planting the seeds of where I hope they take it in season two if there is one, which there's plenty of work there that you can do. Um, And so when you have someone like Esme who comes in, I thought she did a terrific job as Hannah. I really, really did. Um, I was very reluctant. I'm like this with all kid actors, as you guys know. I've talked about it before. And I thought she just did a brilliant job of being able, from an acting standpoint, to show this young woman who has been raised in a forest away from other human contact other than her father for literally the first 14, 15 years of her life that it makes sense so when she does come into the real world and at the center of it it's her journey to have a normal life because what she's experiencing thus far is not normal you know having this little girl um grow up in the woods and be trained by her father to be this basically killing machine you know and there's reasons why she's so uh, so good at it that i don't want to get into a fear of spoilers and ruining anything for you but um it's very very well done the way they handled um Morella's character who plays the the antagonist of it all right like so the beef is her versus uh hannah's dad and hannah's kind of stuck in the middle a little bit throughout most of the season the way they handled her arc i thought was really fucking cool and i wish more shows would do this with their you know perceived villain and that when they first showcase her you're like oh my god this chick is just uh, a fucking shit like oh she's just a horrible human being and that still remains don't get me wrong but the way they showcase and explain her arc of what happens to her throughout the show i thought was very very natural and they could have had some maybe a little bit more i don't know what some maybe a little bit more focus on where she was going and how she got there for the but for the most part i think they kind of you get the gist of the idea that's just me being kind of picky i guess at this point so to see her arc and where it goes from beginning middle and end is very very interesting to me and i wish they would do that with more villains but yeah this is definitely a show i would recommend checking out if i had to give it a a grade a letter grade i'd probably say it's a solid b like, you can't go wrong watching this. Again, I think it's going to put its hooks into you a little bit, and you're going to be like, oh, I want to see what happens next, and you're going to keep going. At no point do I think you'll feel the the urge to be like, I have to finish this because I've invested so many hours already into it. So I just, oh, fuck, I have to do it. I mean, that's how I feel about some stuff that I watch. But this is definitely not the case, and I think there's a really cool arc of how, I think all the characters are really well developed. And they do go through some stuff where, from a writing standpoint, and I know I've talked about this before. I don't like, what's the word? I don't like writers that create conflict or progress storyline in a way because people aren't communicating properly. You know, there's movies or shows out there that you've watched where it's like, hey, if everyone just fucking talked and communicated and acted like normal human beings, none of this would be issues. There would be nothing going on right now. So. There is a little bit at the end from the dad's part, I believe, towards the middle portion and portion of the show, if I remember correctly. And that's kind of a little infuriating where it's like, dude, just just do this and like everything would be good. Everyone would be on the same playing field and stuff. And for those listening, like, well, then there wouldn't be conflict. Like, no, there still would be. It just would challenge you to make the transition into that conflict or creating that conflict in a more 
organic type of way. This is just people, for some reason, not fully being able to explain for reasons why they make the decisions they do when it's just, it's pretty paint by the numbers. Like, yeah, just communicate. Everything would have been fine. And then I would then force the writer to be like, no, we have to do these conflicts that make our people seem halfway intelligent. Because if you're trying to sell me on this guy who is so in love and caring for his daughter, and then he does some of the stuff he does, you're just like, um, there's really no way to explain that, why he did the the reasoning behind why he acted like such an asshole. Like there really isn't. So there's a little bit of that in this show. So again, not perfect. There's some stuff that you can, I think, point at and be like, uh, this is a plot hole or this is kind of, you know, this is lazy or, or something like that. I think that's there for you on Hannah, but overall still a really good show. Give it a solid B. So if you're looking for something because you have that itch for like that Jason Bourne spy, um, thriller kind of experience check out hannah it's good it's a great build up and, and seeing her arc and again so yeah definitely check out anna hannah if you have amazon i cannot recommend it enough it's a really it's a fun experience i had a good time watching that show a lot more than i thought it was so um stick around you guys um the next section that's coming right up after this will be my review i believe for a certain documentary documentary why do i keep saying doc i Docu, why I'm thinking about the word and I can't say it. Documentary. I don't know why I keep saying it like I'm I'm French. I don't know what it is. But um yeah, so I have a review for one of those coming up right after this. So stick around, guys, and I'll be right back. Alright, guys, welcome back in. Thanks for sticking around. I appreciate it. And welcome into part two of our four part um heavy review episode, I should call it, of this week's TV and movie focus episode of the Haven Podcast. So we're back with some stuff that um this one I'm super excited about. I saw the trailer for it. I think it was like uh, two weeks ago. I didn't even know they were making this. And uh, I it came out this week, I believe on Tuesday, Tuesday or Monday of this week. Instantly watched it and was like, holy shit. Just in, just uh, had its hooks in me. I was like, I couldn't get enough of it. I just, oh my, it was so good. So what is this amazing um documentary document i keep saying documentary film that i want to review and tell you about um this one actually comes via youtube originals which is youtube's uh give us what is like 10 bucks a month every month premium membership thing and they have shows that they created that they make exclusively for the platform so kudos on them for bringing this out um so i think they probably just purchased the rights to have it i would imagine but um the document oh my this is killing me. What is wrong with me? Documentary, uh, documentary. <laughs> I have to say that wrong first before I get it right. Is called the Boy Band Con, the Lou Pearlman story. Now, for those that don't know, like, okay, that sounds great. What the hell are you talking about? What's this about? So this is directed by Aaron Kunkel, um, and actually produced by good old Lance Bass, aka NSYNC member who tried to go to space via the Russians, um, and it tells the story from the interview a couple members of former boy band in sync as well as a couple i think just one member if i remember correctly of the backstreet boys and a couple other boy bands and girl bands that he this lou perlman guy was responsible for later on towards the end of his career after in sync and backstreet boys fallout happened so here's lou perlman right this guy and i knew of him i didn't know his complete backstory so he made his money um 
going through uh, basically aviation and blimps and airplanes and stuff. So he thought, hey, I can put boy bands together. And he came up with the formula of what we've seen during that time of the 90s when or late 90s, early 2000s, when these uh, bands were selling like hotcakes. And pretty much he got the concept, the idea to do this from watching New Kids on the Block. And he took that and he's like, I can make a blueprint formula, copy and paste and boom, have 12 year old girls just screaming their sexuality at a bunch of men on stage in funny outfits as they dance around. And that's exactly what he did. So the story tells of basically how he was able to use his influence, his money to manipulate these kids uh, with the ticket of like, you know, sign with me. I'm a first class ticket to stardom that you'll be the biggest superstars ever in the entire world. Everyone will know you and scream your name and will make a fucking shit ton amount of money. What he did not share with him though was, Hey, we're going to make all that's going to be true, but that shit ton of money. Yeah. I'm going to see all of it. Like 97% of it, probably more like 98 and you'll get a couple pennies. So it's fucking nuts. Like I cannot, if you don't want to pay the money because the subscription's up the ass of what's going on today's, you know, digital climate, I totally understand. If you haven't already, make a fucking fake email account and sign up for the trial. Like, I think it's seven days or ten days, maybe even a month, too, on YouTube Originals. I promise you that the effort and the energy to do that and the, like, ugh, fuck moment of doing it is completely worth every second of this film. It is fucking incredible. And... I mean, from uh, a filmmaking standpoint, they did a really nice job. Just the way they kind of shot it, the pacing of it all, telling the complete story. I never felt like they presented questions about his character, this Lou Perlman guy, and they didn't really kind of flush it out. It was just someone talking shit about him. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of an open-ended, you know, shitting on the guy. Like, what's the rebuttal to that? You know, because he didn't participate in this whatsoever because well you know you'll find out later why um don't want to spoil anything in case you're going in fresh or just knowing a little bit about this situation and the character as as i did um character the person but it is insane to me at one point when they're talking of this editorial they are, are doing this film they're interviewing like i said a couple three members from nsync and no the two most important members justin timberlake and joey fatone are not in it very upset about that. Joey Fatone should have been that. I know he's like 80 and he's in a wheelchair now. Actually, I do not know if that's true. I would imagine he is because he's a very old man because you got to have the older brother type, you know, in the group to sell records. So you can get those young ladies that, you know, are, are questioning a lot of things about their life, <laughs> you know, at 14 thinking he's hot as they call it. Those older dad types, you gotta, gotta love them ladies. Anyway, so, and they don't have Justin Timberlake either, but they got his mom, which that in itself was hilarious. I, something about it I just thought was really funny. But my point being, at one point in the film, when they're doing their like confessional one-on-one -on -one interviews with Lance Bass, again, he produced this, so good for Lance Bass. He talks about how this Lou Pearlman guy, right? And this is one of the moments that stuck with me, and there's a lot of them in this film. But that at this point, they've been on tour for like two and a half, two, two to three years like every fucking night performing singing blah 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 selling records right so they're doing all this they've been on tour worldwide and locally and Perlman makes this big fucking stink about it to the guys of the group like hey what's up 
we are going to give you guys your checks. Like the money you've been clearing and making and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Boom. It's time for check presentation. He made a big fucking deal about it. So he invites all the five guys out to this really expensive, pretentious place for dinner. Even has their family come along. Like, yeah, bring your parents, bring your everyone. Everyone's coming. This is a big moment. So he fucking does it. So he gives these envelopes out. And then Lance Bance, uh, Lance Pass talks about how, you know, it gets to that moment. It's like, all right, open up your checks. And he opens it up. And it's a check, I think he said, for 30 grand. At this point, like, the way they preface it is that they sold 15 million records, like, within that year alone. That does not include merch. That does not include everything they got from touring and all their radio spots and everything like that. So, literally, you do the math. Because, I mean, what was it back in the day? Like, weren't CDs, like, 15 bucks or something? 15 or 20? Like, what's that times 15 million? Isn't it, like... Is that 150 million? I'm not good at math, but whatever. It's a lot of fucking money. And each guy only got 30 grand from this. And these kids were working every day. Any words they said up to eight to, I think eight to 12 or eight or no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Eight to 14 or 18, 16 hours per day. So these guys were literally eating, sleeping, breathing this music genre. They were busting their ass. And for all these years of work for two years worth, they got 30 grand. Like it's fucking nuts. And they go through and explain how he was able to get away with it via the contracts. He had these people sign. He pulled the same shit with the backstreet boys too. And this guy was just fucking collecting like crazy. And then they start going into more of the um, psychological side of him a little bit too. This Lou Pearlman guy. And how he just manipulated these pretty much these kids and their parents didn't fucking know any better. Like, I know that's not a big excuse for parenting, but you would think like you would think out of all the parents, someone would step up, but they explained just how he had a way of making himself seem like such a, a, a nice guy, such a comfortable guy with all of these parents as well as their kids and and everything like that and just seeing him plant the seeds of deception and how much of a fucking you know pretty much piece of shit that he was that he was stolen from these kids that were busting their ass and his thing being like hey you know i put you guys together i literally formed the group i came up with a name you know i i got you guys i trained you and everything which is true but he was getting that cut no matter what already and he definitely presented to them like hey you don't have to do with all this record you know, politics bullshit that comes with being an artist in today's time. I'll, we'll take care of all of this for you. And it was very just like bad and weird and gross and everything. And then they start getting into more details about his personal life and kind of what happened after the NSYNC Backstreet Boys fallout after they left his under his clutches, if you will. And it just gets so fucking weird and bad and, it's like, holy shit, how does this guy not have a fucking movie made about him in theaters? Like, he is just fucking nutty, man. And he was able to do this for the longest time for, like, what was it? Almost 10 plus years, I think, right? And pull the wool over everyone's eyes and get away with it. And just, yeah. So the story in itself is just incredible. It's it's infuriating, but it's just, it's like a bad car accident. You just, for some reason, there's that part of your brain that just wants to keep watching and know more. This film hits all of that. And like I said, just the way they kind of shot it, the way they explain everything, they do have people that they do interview throughout the film that do know him, the Lou Pearlman guy personally, and knew him from a very young age all the way till when he had his success and everything like that. So um, again, the boy band con, the Lou Pearlman story, I cannot recommend it enough. A plus, 
That's right. I fucking perfect score. Oh, I don't give the A pluses out lightly, my friends. This one did it for me. Like this one is woo, stuck with me. I fucking love it. So that's right, guys. That's my official review for the boy band con. The Lou Perlman story. I know the title sounds like a really horrible Lifetime miniseries, but just trust me, cannot recommend this enough. Incredible. Even if just find a way to watch it in full, you know, great quality. It's completely worth it. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out. So I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break and I'm going to get ready and I will be back with my review for a little movie that's come out this past weekend. So we're transitioning from TV to movies now to a little movie that you guys have may have heard of uh, from our good friends at Warner Brothers in DC. My official review for Shazam is upcoming. All right, I'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back. I got to take a two-second breather here, run out in between postings or t- uh, recordings to go get a ice coffee. I'm an addict to coffee stuff, but, um, and I just ran into the bag of bad of people that I just, I don't know how some of these people live their lives, like how they get through day-to-day without hurting themselves or others because of their incompetence, but... That's not why you listen. You listen because we're on part three of four of our heavy review episode, our weekly of episode of the Haven podcast for TV and film. Kind of a mini stroke there, I believe. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. So our third review here on today's episode is of Shazam. Now, full transparency, got to be honest. I paid zero dollars and zero cents for these tickets. These were given to me for free via... Uh, this influencer program I'm a part of. So that's the reason why I saw this movie. Now, I want to I want to say from what memory can recall a little bit, just backstory real quick, in regards to my thoughts and feels about this film before it came out and me seeing it, was I said, hey, this is going to be a stinker. This doesn't do anything for me. I believe it was the second trailer that they put out officially where I saw it and I was like, this is not going to be, this may not be the shit show that I think it is, which is great. Now, I know I come off very negative and heavy with any and all DC movies. Uh, most recently, uh, Shitman, aka the Aquaman movie, which was just, uh, uh, I fucking, I, I got to keep it positive, got to, got to level headed, Danny, so we won't bring that up. And then you had stuff like Wonder Woman, which a lot of people really enjoyed critically and, um, What's the word? And fan base wise, right? Which I thought, hey, it was it was an okay movie. It was good. You know, like um, I, I enjoyed my time with it for the most part. I didn't walk out angry and I didn't walk out like, oh, it's the greatest superhero movie I've ever seen. Nothing like that. Now, let's talk about Shazam. Like my Mike Francesca. I'm making sounds because not that I don't. I'm making, I'm going to be honest, I'm making sounds because I don't know anything about how I feel when it came to this movie. Now, I saw this thing Thursday evening, and I'm recording this on Saturday, so I've literally, and I saw it early Thursday too. So I've had most of Thursday, all of Saturday, and now at the time of recording, about the halfway point of of a Saturday, to really think about this movie. Uh, One of my older brothers saw it, I texted him a little bit about it, just kind of get his thoughts and feels about it, because... And then I saw it with a wife, you know, what does she think about it kind of thing, who's not a, she doesn't go hyped up, you know, like I do with, like, with movies, not movies in general, but especially superhero stuff, right? 
And again, I've always talked about how I do have a, a pretty large soft spot in my heart for anything and everything related to DC. I just prefer them over Marvel in the grand scheme of things because of their characters for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I, I do have a passionate love for these characters. So maybe that's why I go in a little more critical for these movies than I normally would, say, a Marvel project or any movie for that matter. I think that's a fair assumption to make. But I do try to be objective. But, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, again, I don't know. I still don't have a letter grade to give you for this movie. So this is what we're going to do. This is going to be a therapy moment. And I'm going to talk you through my positives, my negatives, and my processes throughout this film. And maybe at the end of it, speaking out loud, we'll get to a commonplace and we'll kind of break down certain things. And while I may not have an official letter grade to give you, you guys can come to your own conclusion. So let's try it that way. This is a nice roundabout way of me being put on the spot to give a review and yet not really having an official grade to give you guys. So we'll see how this works. All right. Um, yeah, this movie, where the fuck to begin? So first off, it's confusing for some people that may not know going in. What is Shazam about? Well, Shazam's a, a comic book character originally from Fawcett Comics, if I believe, that then years later when they went out of business was purchased by DC, and his original name is Captain Marvel. And then you're like, what the fuck, there's a Captain Marvel lady, but, um, you know, that has chesticles. That is part of the Marvel brand. So I'm confused, how does this work? Well, it was a big, like, I think there was a lawsuit involved and stuff, but long story short, DC ended up kind of giving in and being like, hey we're just going to call him Shazam and the Shazam family, that sort of thing. And that's, that's the character now. Right. But if you go and you Google the Shazam movie, literally on the credits, like I'm looking at it right now, like Zachary Levi, who plays adult version of Billy Batson, who's the main character, the 14 year old boy is listed as captain Marvel. So they don't even fucking know what's going on, but let's, let's go in and get into it. So Billy Batson's this boy. He comes across this wizard and this wizard's the guardian. Um, and this is kind of the general idea of not just the story itself for the movie, but also the comics as well, if I'm remembering correctly. So he's given this power where every time he yells the word, Shazam! Thunderbolt comes down, hits him, and he transforms from this 14-year-old boy to this, the optimized, perfect version of Billy Batson, where he's basically, his power set is pretty much uh, Superman. And I think that was the origin of the character, too, where they're just like, we're taking Superman, we're just giving him a fucking awesome hood. So that's the movie itself, the story, the general story, I should say, of um, the character of Captain Marvel or or Shazam. We'll call him Shazam. And but the wizard's name Shazam, too. But I guess because he gets the power, he's going to be Shazam. You know, I get it. It kind of makes sense, but then it doesn't. So just bear with me as I try to go through this rabbit hole of nonsense. So the movie itself, um, let's start with what I liked, right? What I liked about the movie. Zachary Levi, who plays adult Billy Batson or Shazam, he is fucking awesome in this movie. That I had no, um, I had no doubt about going in. I really liked his casting, but also too, just seeing him in the screen and his portrayal of the character, you can tell Zachary Levi is all in on this shit. Like, he's like, no, I am fucking Shazam. I, I'm loving everything about this movie, the writers, the set, you name it. Like, I'm all in. And he totally sells it. But then, 
Well, let's keep doing. Let's go, we'll keep going through. So then there's this kid. What the fuck? They don't even have him on. I, oh, that's fucked up. He's on IMDb. He's like one of the main characters. Oh, I think it's Jack Dylan Grazer. We'll go with that. I think that's him. Um, he plays Billy Batson's like foster brother, and he's like a handy. He in the movie. Him and some of the best moments in this film is him and Zachary Levy. So we'll just call him Adult Shazam. Are they have this chemistry and this banter on screen that is just really fucking good. Like I that was probably my favorite moments of this film is how they communicate with each other, how they get along, and just both of their reactions. You know, Jack Dylan, who's playing his like again the handy handy uh, foster brother, he's a huge like you know superhero fan, and that really does a good yin and yang approach to Billy Batson. Who's like, dude, I'm here for a personal journey of trying to find my mother and everything like that. And come into acceptance that I've always been a foster kid and stuff like that. So that really, really works. Now, Asher Angel plays baby boy, Billy Batson, the 14 year old. I wanted to fucking choke this kid. Now, again, not a fan of kids in movies. Really not. I understand why it's there and why it's needed sometimes. And, I just could not stand this kid. Like, I felt Zachary Levi played a better job of being a 14-year-old kid than this, the actual kid they got to do it. Now, Jack Dylan, his handy brother, there is quite a few scenes in this movie where he... What's the word I'm looking for? He acts like a douchebag. He just acts like an ungrateful piece of shit sometimes. And he does this face that also made me want to choke him. So... Basically, Shazam made me want to choke kids. It was, it was hilarious. Um, so eh, maybe that's on me. Maybe that's a personal thing. I don't know. So you got that. And then Mark Strong, who I think is an awesome actor, he plays the main villain, Dr. Savannah. And his arc and how they portray him and, and his journey is really fucking weak. He seems like a very throwaway villain just to have him. There's nothing special there. And that that's disappointing. But again, how many superhero movies can we point at you know, and say like, this was an incredible villain. I mean, I think for the most part, we can be honest and say there's a lot more throwaway villains than there are ones that were like, oh, look at fucking Tom Hiddleston as Loki or Heath Ledger as Joker or Josh Brolin as Thanos. Like there's only so many of those examples you can point to. Like those were awesome villains. Um, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, like stuff like that. So it's, that sucks. I'd, I'd rather see that, but you know, it is what it is. So from, a production standpoint within the film itself it's it's shot well for the most part um the story itself i i get what they were trying to do that the core essence of Shazam is about family which i can dig i you know i have a soft spot in my heart my soft spot in my heart for that stuff it's about family and how your family can also the ones that i think the overall thing they're trying to get across is the family that you think you should have or that you want to have sometimes is not what you're meant to have and when you're given a replacement family to try to deal or not deal with but that they may be the perfect thing that you're looking for so this mix match of foster kids coming together and becoming a family and, and unity like i can get behind that it's a little kind of corny and cheesy how they kind of unwrapped it a little bit in certain ways but for the most part i'm like hey i buy into it um, another issue I have, and this is a, a huge issue I have with even Marvel movies too, um, certain films or super superhero films, and I think this is very, very present in DC, it's all about the jokes. 
the the knee slapping one liners. I mean, this is something that it came across from Captain Marvel. You know, the the Brie Larson Marvel project just came out that I had a huge issue with. It's so much knee sloppy. It's so much just these corny fucking jokes and not, you know, taking things at face value or, or not face value, but taking things in consideration when you make these jokes when you're in a very tense situation. Shazam kind of falls into this pitfall or this pitfall about waist high instead of neck deep, but it still has it where I'm just like, Ugh, why did you do that? I mean, to be honest, also as well, there's one point in the movie where I literally had, I had to go use the bathroom and I left. I usually never do that, but I was so uninvested with what I was seeing on screen. I felt like I'm not going to miss anything. So I go use the little boys room. I come back and then they're doing something on screen. And I turn to my wife and I ask her, I'm like, did they just shoot a montage scene where like they upload Shazam doing cool stuff to the internet and he becomes like a pop celebrity or whatever, like a, a YouTube celebrity. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. I literally walked out and I could have predicted what was going to happen. So again, it's the same drum beats. There's nothing fresh and new for the most part that they do. Now, out of fear of spoilers, I'm going to be general about this next portion. They do one particular story development twist or they go in a certain direction towards the beginning of the climax of the third act of the sh- of the movie. I wasn't expecting them to go down this route and I was actually pleasantly surprised by it. I thought it was really fucking cool. And again, it, it, it's especially if you're into like the Shazam character or you're familiar with the backstory, what they do, I was like, that is rad. That's something I would see them kind of save in the a bullet in the chamber for um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, for a sequel, right? But they decided to say, no, fuck it, we're gonna do this now. And I thought that was super cool and it opens up a lot of creative possibilities for a sequel if he even gets there so i I enjoyed that part the last scene of the movie again spoiler free they do something from a cameo approach that if they i wouldn't say done it correctly what's the word i'm looking for if they did it a different way i think it would have stuck more and it would have been super cool more so than what we actually got like what we got is like oh this is a good meal but ugh, if you had seasoned this a little bit differently or you combine this a little bit differently, your pairings, this would have been over the top. Um, amazing. But for a re- certain reasons, they couldn't have done that. And it shows, but it still was kind of a cool idea and, 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 and its source of what it wanted to be or what it was trying to represent, I should say. So, like, I appreciate the fanfare they did with that. But then it's Shazam's confusing. Because of the fact that, you know, again, overall the story is there. Um, There's certain arcs of characters that work. There's other ones where I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But Shazam's confusing because throughout even the very beginning of the movie, they show Handicap Grazer, which I'm going to call the the foster brother, Handicap Foster Brother. He is like this huge, again, superhero fanatic, right? And they make it very clear to the audience that this movie is set in the universe of Batman and Superman from Zack Snyder. Like there's no question about that. They make no question that Wonder Woman exists somewhere and that Aquaman exists somewhere. So it's in that cinematic universe, but they've gone on record and are putting movies into production or relaunching movies or even some of these characters that have their own solo films coming out, but they're distancing that. So it's so confusing and throwing me so many mixed signals as a fan and as a viewer that wants that continuity, wants that shared universe, that I'm just kind of like, ugh, like, ah, this is really hurting my brain. Like, pick a fucking lane already. Like, 
you're trying to basically it's like you're on the shitter just take it already like you're just hanging out stop doing that and then there's one part two in the movie that really left a bad taste in my mouth in the sense of product placement there's one scene where they went over the top with dc product placement and their heroes like toys and shit and it was just really gross and bad I'm, i'm not a fan of that stuff for the most part um and it just was a little too blatant, a little too obvious for my taste. And I was just like, Ugh, what are you guys doing? You're trying to sell toys here, right? I'm like, you're already going to get that. So if you cannot do that in the movie and make it so apparent and everything. But um, so, yeah, my overall feel for Shazam, again, I'm not I'm not disappointed with it. I'm not angry with it. I'm not like, oh, this movie sucked ass. It's not. But I don't think it's great. I don't think it's like amazing. I'm, I'm in this like space of with my feels about this movie of just like, eh, it's whatever. It's like the shoulder shrug emoji. That's literally the first thing I sent out to one of my brothers where I was like, just saw Shazam. And I just gave a shoulder shrug because I just could not make heads or tails of it. Usually with a movie, when I see it and I walk out, I, I kind of have an idea of what I want. I sit on it a little bit. I think a good example is my review last week of us where I walked out of the theater. I really liked it thinking about it. I ended up loving it. Um, I think another one is like glass. As soon as I walked out of glass, I was like, the movie fucking horrible. Like, what the hell was that? Um, Aquaman walked out angry. Like, that movie was a waste of my time and money. Like, fuck that. So this, though, I'm completely just independent of everything. Where I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, what? what like, that was kind of cool. But that was really bad. And uh, like, so I think just to be safe for the for the sake of balance, which I'm a big fan of, I'm just going to go try to stay in the middle that Shazam is an average movie. I would give it a B minus. I feel comfortable giving that. I would not recommend you pay full price for it. Um, In fact, if you don't want to go out of your way to even get it on a cheap deal or early bird or any of that shit and wait till it comes out on like a red box or like on Netflix or something, do that too. Like if you want to spend six bucks on VOD, I I think that's appropriate for this movie um, to rent it. But yeah like you're not missing anything because it's not like there's another big dc movie coming out right where you're like oh i gotta go see shazam so i feel like i'm caught up and i know what's going on like no they play by their own rules in a sense but yet they're always acknowledging this universe that they're in that just is so weird and bad and leaves such bad feelings and tastes in my mouth that i'm like i just wish you would do your own thing at this point as disappointing as that was so yeah, it's definitely just a eh, moment or a uh, movie, I would say. So, yeah, B minus. I, I think I feel okay. I feel good about recommending it that way um, for Shazam. And it's like um, they try to do their own thing. They try to just do um, not their own thing. What's the word I'm looking for? They try to be different, but it just ends up coming off as like I've seen this movie a million times already. It's a very typical superhero origin story. Um I think other than, again, that twist that I talked about that they do towards the beginning of the third act of the final battle, that in itself I thought was really, really cool and fun. Like, that made sense to the universe they were creating. And, you know, in terms of the arcs, too, of, of some of the characters they work, some of them don't. Like, Billy Batson himself, like, his mom that's in it and shit, like, ugh, I don't know what the fuck that was about. Like, there's there's one scene where, well, I, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's, but I will say there is something that happens in the movie where he shows her something that only she would know and or remember about him. And she's completely oblivious. Like, or no, no, I'm lying. 
she responds to that but then when it wraps up she's completely oblivious it was like they shot it i don't know it's like they shot two different scenes on a couple different days and no one knew the fucking script or the the gravity of the scene and everything like that so yeah shazam is just kind of there you know it's nothing special and i think that's the worst part of it like this movie could have been something awesome but again it goes back to dc's focus of just i think trying to weather the storm and kind of get through what they're making and trying to play this weird game of one foot in one foot out of this cinematic universe and basically acknowledging it and putting it into these movies when they see it fits their narrative or they think it's appropriate and it's like hey fucking take a step back relaunch this shit if you need to and and do a good job with it and that's what it's all about so yeah shazam b minus um to quote the amazing incredible martha kent from batman v superman when her son goes to him her son goes to her on the farm the kent farm and is filled with doubt is filled with maybe fear i don't know henry cavill is not a good actor (laughs) and says to his mother like i'm at a crossroads mom i don't know what to do I have these powers. I'm supposed to help these people on Earth, right? These Earthlings that need me. But then when I do, I'm criticized and ostracized by the people. And she says, and this is, I think, very appropriate for Shazam, maybe pretty much all the DC movies at this point. She turns to her son and says, Clark, help him or don't. You don't know anybody, anything. And then, you know what made that scene more perfect? If she just lit up a cigarette. That's exactly the mindset. Like she's a heavy smoker. Like, clock. I don't give a shit. Your father died in a tornado, hurricane, in a horrible scene that that Zack Snyder fucking cunt put over there. And you're here, and you're fucking wearing a blue and red suit, spandex, and you're a fucking alien kid. I didn't give birth to you, and I work. Fuck, I got two shifts at the fucking at the diner in the morning. So hurry and get the fuck out. Like I'm waiting for Martha just to be like this white trash trailer park. Like she just beats the dog. I bet she does. She's a dog beater. But hey, that's not why you listen. So yeah, guys, B minus for me for Shazam. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So um, I'm gonna take a quick break and I'll get right back to you guys for my part four for our final review on this week's TV and movie focus episode of the Haven Podcast. And that little guy is a movie that I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by called Pet Cemetery. All right, I'll be right back. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, we are back for part four of four of our final review-heavy episode of this week's TV and movie-focused well, episode, duh, of the Haven Podcast. So um, for our last and final review, um, we're gonna I'm going to be giving my review, sorry, getting sidetracked here, uh, for a little film that came out this week in addition to Shazam, um, called pet cemetery so i gotta be careful here with this review because i feel like from a movie standpoint the last couple releases that i've been you know either excited for or maybe like eh, i'm willing to give it a shot kind of thing have been kind of disappointing so i want to make sure i'm not projecting or over projecting an excitement or a a love for this movie this pet cemetery movie that's not really justifiable and I'm just doing it because I feel like, Hey, I've had a bad string of watching some disappointing movies looking at you, Captain Marvel. And I'm not talking about the Shazam one. Um, and I'll also though. So I also have to preface this by saying I did, um, I did pay for tickets to see this movie. And you're like, dude, what's with you and these ticket prices What's going on? 
Um, but I did also receive a free movie poster for this movie as well. Um, that is pretty, pretty badass. I think I'm going to frame it and take a shot of it and put it on the Instagram um, here in, in this upcoming week and stuff like that. So I just want, again, full disclosure. Now, some may say, listening, Danny, are you trying to convince us that you would give a positive review and be bought by a simple free movie poster? That which was given in a promotion. You just so happened to see a movie that a lot of people didn't see. You're at the right place at the right time, thus receiving said movie poster. No. However, if they threw in a free large soda, you know, I might be swayed to give these uh, people a better review. But a free poster will not buy my review, people. But uh, throw in a free soda and we can have a conversation. We can discuss it. But um, no, in all seriousness, um, so Pet Cemetery, for those that don't know, um, based off a Stephen King novel, I believe it came out during the 80s, some point in the 80s, early 80s. I want to say early 80s. So I saw that movie when I was a lot younger and I actually went back and um, I did not watch it. I Wikipedia that it. I cannot find it anywhere to watch on any of the things I have, and I'm not gonna rent or buy the OG Pet Cemetery before seeing this, just to kind of give a refresher after seeing this version of it, to kind of see. So, from what I can recall about the original Pet Cemetery, and kind of what I um, reminded myself with via the great folks at Wikipedia um, and a couple other sites, I should say. Well, let me just say this. Pet Cemetery, this version, is fucking great. I really, really liked this film. Um, if I had to give it a letter grade right off the bat, I would go with a B plus. I would recommend that you see it in theaters. Um, you know, maybe not full price, but um definitely if you go spend a free ticket on it or you go spend like even medium pricing on it. I don't think you'd be disappointed. In fact, you know, I, I will go as far and say, even if you pay full price, I'll take that back. I think it's worth it. It's kind of up there with me for like the latest remake that they did of it, or chapter one. Um, there is a lot of themes and beats in this remake that for anyone that has seen the original Pet Cemetery and from the 80s will feel familiar to you, if not identical. However, this movie takes the concept and idea and feeling of death and really runs with it. So while they all have, they share a couple common themes from the remake to the OG version, the remake version just puts a little bit more of a spotlight and emphasis on certain themes than the other one didn't. And then in turn, the original version has certain themes that, you know, are alluded to in this one that they decide to focus on. So it's just a director and, and writers deciding to focus on some certain things. Now, for fear of spoilers, I won't I won't spoil anything like I usually try to do with all my reviews. But as you know, and I've talked about it before, I really enjoyed the first trailer that came out for this. It got me very excited for this movie. I think we're seeing a renaissance, if you will, in like this horror type of um, the horror genre, maybe. You know, not like Saw kind of thing, but suspense and everything like that. And I think we're on a, a path of renaissance with that for quite a bit where these movies are made and they're done very, very well. Um, not a blowout budget, which is amazing. And these movies do very well at the box office. And you hope people understand why this is happening and they continue to support these movies that do a good job doing it. It's not like our, you know, paranormal activity bullshit where we had that 
like 20 sequels of that crap and it was the same thing and everyone was trying to copy that it's like no people are dipping into stephen king's own thing but you still have original ideas like us coming out again horror suspenseful and just really good because it's a great genre that i think kind of went away for a while and when it did come back it was very like oh here's saw where it's just mutilation you know, like we're just going to show you a five minute clip of some dude chopping his own sack off to get a, uh, an antidote for a poison he was injected. And isn't this great? And it's like, again, if some people like that, good for you. That's just not my bag. I think that's um, when it comes to horror is just really lazy shock value material you're putting on screen, just like a jump scare. I think that's fucking corny as shit and lazy. I think with these movies, if you can build suspense and there's so many different ways you can do it that are original and new and fresh that it just adds so much more to the movie so i really enjoyed this film and in regards to the trailer they released a second trailer that to me and i talked about on the podcast before completely spoiled a huge of what would have been a huge scene in this movie so for people that have seen the original movie you may say like well yeah but we kind of knew it was coming and it's like okay that movie's from the fucking early 80s like i don't know how many people are seeing the new Pet Cemetery or remembering fully the original one and or went back and watched it. I doubt many did. And this is like, oh, yeah, this is a remake of something. I'm going to go in with fresh eyes. So when you as a studio and your marketing team decide to put this huge spoiler in, it's like, ugh. And I, again, I don't want to bring it up in case anyone hasn't seen that trailer for some reason. But what I will say about it is because of said spoiler, for me watching this movie, it did... It did ruin a little bit. It did take away from the gravity of the scene that I'm referring to. Um, but it still worked really, really well. But now I'm left to think, if you didn't spoil it, how much that scene would have stuck with me as a viewer because of the way you presented it, the way you build it up. Because throughout the movie, the character in question, they do a great job, unlike the original one, fully flushing out this character making you care about them, you know, and it's the gravity of something bad happening to them that just really sticks the landing with you. So it would have even been more of a gut punch had they not fucking spoiled it in the trailer. And I truly believe that um, it still worked. But man, I just kept thinking to myself in the days afterwards, I was like, if they had just fucking like not spoiled, this could have been insane. Like this would have stuck with me so much more. Now, the way they decide on the climax of this movie, though, um, very interesting because the character they're focusing on to kind of bring everything together and kind of close it out is portrayed. Uh, I'm trying to think how to put this. That's always tough with movies. Cause I hate spoiling even slightest shit because I feel like if you go in with fresh eyes and this movie can really stick with you quite a bit. Um, but yeah, for the climax of the movie and everything like that, um, the, the, the character they use to kind of drive it home is very, very well done. And it adds so much more to the film that thinking back on it, I was like, oh man, like it makes a huge difference. And the the father that plays in the movie, Lewis, he, I, I they just did a better job of kind of fleshing his thoughts out of his reaction of stuff or his belief in death and in compromise to his wife's belief in, you know, heaven, he doesn't believe in any of that stuff. She does. And they're dealing with a situation where their child is asking these questions and it kind of touches on a personal level when you're like, how do you explain and have these conversations with your child? When is 
young, too young to talk about it? How long do you keep the idea of fairy tales and certain lives going? You know, like there's just a lot of like there's a weight to that, and that's cool. And as far as story beats go within this movie, they are pretty much one for one of the original one of how they progress and then probably act three is when they there's a lot of tweaks and turns for these characters throughout but the third act is really where they kind of do their own thing these this director does and the twist at the end was fucking amazing like i was not expecting that to i wasn't expecting them to go the route they did and they and they went there and it opens up just a flood of possibilities for a sequel or for a universe or whatever it is they want to do in fact guess what if you don't want to do a sequel that's cool by me as well because that's a great way to just be like boop period done with the movie like it was awesome how they did that um john voigt's or not john voigt that's angelina jolie's dad um what's his game from th- uh, the guy from 30 rock from the sun oh man kill me using dexter um he plays like the creepy old guy that's like oh we don't you don't want to take your children or your dead dogs to the cemetery because bad stuff happens in the tropical lands of feathered indiana or, or some shit like that like he's fucking awesome in the movie i felt like the acting across the board is great and again remember i hate kids in movies i just don't stand it the little girl they got to play in it she has a lot of screen time is awesome like i thought she did a really really good job she's yeah it's a just she did a she did a really good job for that movie you know and um just the beats and the feels that they go throughout it and i have to say this though about the movie so my own personal interpretation of the trailers leading up to this movie was they were going to try to do this remake of pet cemetery with a focus on kind of grounding or telling the story of pet cemetery in the real world with like sprinkles of you know suspenseful like oh supernatural kind of stuff right but they're definitely going to try to reality base it like i got that feeling with it a little bit more however so because of that own personal feeling that i had going in or my thought process behind it i did throughout the movie up to like i would say maybe the halfway point of it I was feeling like, I don't know what, I don't know about this movie. Like, I don't know how I feel because I was trying to get over my own biases or my own thoughts of, I I thought this movie was grounded in reality with sprinkles of supernatural. Once I kind of got over that and I was like, you know what? No, this whole thing's fucking supernatural. Like, just go with it. Like, don't try to do reason or anything like that. Like if this was a situation that happened in the real world, it just so happens to have to look like a real world setting, but it's very meant to be imaginative. And once I did that, then the clamps really came off for me and I really enjoyed the movie a lot more. And thinking back through that mindset or looking through that lens, the first half of the movie, recanting it back in my brain, I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay, that makes sense. Now it all connects together. And I think, yeah, it's just a really good remake. They do enough in the third act to make it their own which i really do appreciate and when i say make it their own it's not a sense of like oh we're just trying to be different from the book or we're trying to be different from the the original movie no i think there's cause and effect there's a reason why they do what they do not just to be different and try to be cute about it they do it because it's like oh it fits into our overall arc and narrative of these characters and the theme that we're going with in the movie which is about death which is the acceptance that death is not a scary thing and there is life after that and it just depends on your own personal viewpoint of what death is so you start going into some psychological kind of shit that is really just fits the movie so to have those 
to have a film that makes me think of it that way and ask those kind of questions and have that kind of brain working in that exercise for a movie that's like, oh no, it's fucking nuts. Like there's a pet cemetery where you bury shit and they come back to life, but they're not the same. It's kind of like, oh, that's fucking crazy. Sounds cool. But you know, that, that's, that's Looney bit. That's Looney Tune shit, right? No, like this is a good way of really connecting that bridge and making it all go out. Um, and like I said, overall acting is great across the board. Uh, the pacing I thought was was good in the very beginning i was like oh, come on let's go like let's move it let's move it let's go let's go and i was getting kind of impatient with it and i don't know thinking back on it i was like oh is that just me of them creating a sense of suspense and putting me on the edge of my seat and i'm getting impatient because i'm like on edge or is it because it was just like i just felt it was you know not not lazy what's the word i'm looking for it was boring it was a boring, you know, kind of pacing they had to the film where it's like, get on with it already. I felt it was more of just like, come on, let's go. Let's let's keep it moving. Like, you got me there already. You're kind of drawing out the suspense building a little bit. Like, you've established it. Let's keep it going. Um, but yeah, just a really fucking good movie. Very, very well done. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend you see it. And yeah, I feel good about saying, you know, B plus, A minus for this film. I really enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. And I don't think it's because... I'm coming off a bad string of movies personally that I've been disappointed in. Um, this was something I was looking forward to, even with that stupid spoiler trailer they put out. Um, and it definitely hit the mark for me. And it was just like, oh man, like you just walk out and you just feel like, dude, that was such a fucking sweet movie. Like that was really fun. That was great, you know, and just makes you uneasy in your seat. And they do some, they do a few gory things, I have to say though. And they show it, but not to the level of like saw for me. Like usually, I check out check out when it comes to those things. Um, I felt it was always for the most part within reason and stuff. And again, if you see this movie and you are very familiar and you remember a lot of the beats of the original movie, you'll see it throughout, so you know where things are going. And you're like, okay, I've seen this. What's the point? It's the way they get there that I recall being pretty significantly different. So the points that connect throughout and move the story along will be familiar to a lot of people that have seen the original one, right? But it's the way this director and this team decide to take you on that journey to get from point A to B to C, et cetera, that is different. They try to do their own thing. And it's the conversations and the relationships that they take time to develop and the arcs of this character that just make it really a good movie. Like, it's just solid. Like, it's creepy. It does what it needs to do, but it makes you think afterwards, or at least it did for me. And I just left, like, fuck, man. Like, that ending was awesome. It was so good. Like, regardless if it's a sequel coming up next or not, it's just, ooh, really good. So, yeah, Pet Cemetery 2019, uh, the remake, I cannot recommend enough that you go see it. So if you're into it and you're not... You know, don't get caught up in the details of it all. It's super gory and everything like that, even with them and their bullshit trailer that ruined it, that ruined one of the major twists of the movie. Um, it still works. It still does a good job and um, keeps it moving and everything like that. So, yeah, Pet Cemetery, definitely go see it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me for this week's episode of, um, or the weekly episode of the TV and movie podcast of. Uh, the Haven podcast. You can tell I'm I'm feeling quite great. Four reviews in one day. Gotta love it, even with breaks in between. So again, hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. And as far as the propers go, um, make sure if you like what you heard, there's a lot of ways you can help the podcast grow. And some of those ways are to just um, subscribe, comment, all that bullshit, 
what is it rate review all that right on your podcast listening platform of choice or sharing this podcast with other family members or friends who you think might want to hear me ramble on about all the latest greatest happenings in the world of video games tv and movies so with that said guys i will have uh links in the description below on how you can do all that stuff like uh the podcast email we got the instagram we got the mixer tons of good shit coming in and we are just we're on the brink of amazing movie slash tv madness you know i think i talked about it last week but we're right there on the we're getting closer with endgame coming out we got game of thrones and i'm sure there's tons of other stuff in between now and the end of summer that are just gonna start chugging along you know what i mean just come left and right like hooks and it's just gonna be amazing stuff to talk about get excited about um revel in get disappointed in cry together i don't know that's the beauty of hope of all this and, and what have you. So, and then on the video game front, if you're into that, we we got tons of coverage on that all the time with all the all the crazy shit that's happening over there and and what have you. So, and E3 is, whew, E3 is freaking very very fastly approaching. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff on everything geek and nerd related. So, as always, thank you all so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys this upcoming Friday. Take care.